Blog Talk Radio. Program, I'm going to be discussing the issue of uh, sex in relationships, in specifically long-term relationships, and uh, how it figures into communication, intimacy, romance, connection, and uh, specifically addressing a recent article in the Wall Street Journal. We're going to get right to that uh, in just a moment. Uh, if you're listening to the program for the first time, Welcome, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you here with me. Um, occasionally we have guests on the program. It's going to be more of a uh, frequent format. And, of course, as always, you can call in at area code 347-945-7891. That's 347-945-7891. Uh, you can, if you're listening on iTunes, you can tune in at I, uh, sorry, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the mind whisperer and we have a chat forum and so you can tune into the chat forum as well and uh, once you log in you can ask questions or make comments uh, there as well and if you listen to the archive program appreciate your interest and support in the program and um, please pass the link along on Facebook and Twitter where we have uh, accounts as well and uh, really encourage you to like our Facebook page and join the Twitter follow us on Twitter um, you know every bit helps grow the program so let's get right into the topic today we're talking about frequency of sex in coupling you know there was a recent uh, Wall Street Journal journal article um, that profiled a couple where the male spouse it's a heterosexual couple had been married for a number of years and the and the uh, husband had actually been logging the infrequency of their sexual relations and saying that it was a frustration to him and he, he really felt like he was being denied the outlet for emotional as well as physical connection with his partner and how this was problematic and uh, causing you know distancing and resentment in the relationship and ended up with him, um, you know, letting himself go physically and uh, letting go of self-care and avoiding coming home. And, of course, it created further distance between himself and his wife. And so the article goes on to point out how, uh, you know, sexual intimacy is really, in some ways, the only container where men can um, express safely their emotional vulnerability with your connection and how um you know this is a problem because men need to be more emotionally connected and they just 
not socialized to do so, and uh, that so the infrequency of sex can limit you know the outlet where they do feel comfortable or safe to channel that. So I'll get into the critique of the article that I just came across, uh, which is from a website called Jezebel.com. It's a blog, and uh, Lindy West is the writer who um, is really takes apart this Wall Street Journal article for not being uh, fully balanced in its approach. And part of what uh, Lindy is addressing is, um, first of all, the disclosure of information in the article. It's not till far down in the article that you find out that when this couple married, they were virgins. So they had a limited experience, very limited experience in terms of intercourse uh, and in terms of coupling and how the dynamics of sex and intimacy figure in coupling. And second of all, there was a miscarriage, I believe, and um, this caused a lot of emotional distress on the part of the wife, of course, and her uh, confidence in herself and her emotional uh, well-being. And um, so that figured into the intimacy of the couple as well. But Lindy goes on further to really take apart the article for propagating you know, this very heterosexist and male point of view that, um, you know, sex is this area where men are entitled to their emotional outlet. And women, you know, this sort of mythology that women are, um, you know, not as sexual as men or um, men orgasm more frequently and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's still very much skewed towards male pleasure and um, propagating these myths, as I said, about male-female sexual relationships and um, the the whole dynamic being framed in that way. I don't want to get too much into the critique aspect of the article because Lindy does a good job from that point of view. Um, And she does give give, uh, support to the idea that men need... um, to experience more emotional connection and vulnerability and uh, how damaging it is, you know, societally that and socially and culturally that men are, are limited in that way and socialized that way. But the point of uh, bringing this up today on the program is to discuss the relationship between uh, sex, intimacy, and desire in long-term relationships. And I'm boring heavily here from the perspective of Esther Perel, who I've mentioned on the program in the last few shows, who's a uh, marriage um, therapist in New York City who's uh, written a great book called uh, Mating in Captivity. And she's done a lot of research over in 22 different countries of um, hundreds of couples across, you know, cross-cultural couples about these issues. And what she's found is that the intimacy in a long-term relationship, which is the desire to connect with your partner, over the long term, that desire, that 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 draw for towards your partner for security and love, and the need of the relationship, can get in the way of what drew you in in the first place, which is you create intimacy out of the desire to know this person that you don't know. So I'm remarking back on the last program that we did, which is talking about what it means if there's conflict in couples, and how the real danger to um, committed relationships is our unconscious baggage that we bring in 
uh, and our and our patterns from our early conditioning, uh, primarily enmeshment. And this is a very critical factor. What I mean by enmeshment, we, we, people may be familiar with this term in, in terms of becoming codependent in your relationship and you're too tightly interwoven and, and um, in an unhealthy way in, in your current relationship. But enmeshment is really the product of your early attachment. And in early childhood development, very early, like in, in infant development, what's happening is that the child is is developing its sensory and neurological um, relationship to the world and its, its actually physiological pathways in its brain and its actual neurons um, grow around sense stimulation within an environment. So, you know, we all know about stimulating a child, reading to a child in the womb. You put a mobile over the child's crib. Uh, to stimulate their senses, and but a big part of that is also to enable the child to differentiate. And differentiation is not just a social thing; it's also a sensory, um, sensory motor thing. So infants literally are so symbi- symbiotically connected to the parent that they um, don't differentiate the world from themselves. So the initial thing you have to do is say that this object. Uh, close to you is not you. It's not part of your symbiotic world with you and the, and the your mother. It is uh, a separate object in in space. And so you learn to differentiate yourself from objects in space as you move around, and and then you start to get you know spatial and depth perception, etc., and tactile sense. But also socially, what that does and emotionally is it allows you to differentiate um, yourself from other people, other beings animals, uh, etc. And so you start to develop relationship to the world. Well, if that process becomes corrupted because of threat, because of um, stress, overwhelm, neglect, even perceived neglect, or erratic attention early on, that natural process and that necessary process of differentiating, of, of of starting to develop the confidence that you are an autonomous being, yet you still have the secure environment, that process becomes, again, corrupted. And so what that does is that we eventually move out into the world to become autonomous beings and interrelate, but we're still carrying that confused state of what's me and what's the other person. And this is what we talk about in terms of boundaries, and I've talked about this a lot on the program, particularly in the earlier um, episodes of, of this show. So what does this mean for coupling? Well, it means that when you enter into a relationship without knowing it, you may have a compromised ability to interrelate with another person as a separate person. And you quickly develop a codependent or a meshed relationship. And what that means is that you relate to the other person subconsciously as an extension of yourself. And so even the intimacy can be kind of tainted by this kind of enmeshment dynamic. And that the sense of being close to the other person is that they're close to you. And you and your needs. And then they thus become, once you are in a committed relationship, an extension of you and your needs. So how does this relate to sex? And why is the topic today that frequency of sex may be misleading and not the, you know not a, not a helpful focus in relationship. Well, once a relationship is established and there's some security and commitment, 
uh, and this is going back to Esther Perel's work, that that need for connection and safety and security in the relationship can be the enemy of passion and desire. And what that means is that uh, the otherness, what, what you're supposed to be relating to at the beginning, if you're not enmeshed, which is the otherness, the, the, um, the exoticness, the separateness of the other person that you have to get to know. That's where you build intimacy at the beginning. Uh, that, that becomes compromised by the enmeshed dynamic in the relationship. In other words, you're so close and you're so connected and you're so familiar with each other, you lose that sense of exoticness and thus the desire towards the other person. And so if you look at coupling and issues of um, sex as an indicator of, of the issue of intimacy in the relationship, you may be missing out on the bigger picture. Sex is only an indicator, but being too strongly focused on the frequency of sex may be missing the, the, the boat, so to speak. So what is going on there? If, if we equate sex with being intimacy, we're missing out on the desire aspect of intimacy. In other words, if there's too much familiarity, sex is not going to um, be helpful. If, if we've actually become too familiar and too enmeshed with our partner, we've lost interest in them in, in, in the sense of passion and desire. And this is why, if you have an argument in a, in a relationship, why people are so turned on by makeup sex. Because, first of all, of course, there's a, a reflexive dynamic there that something bad has happened and you want to have comfort and you want to connect again with your partner. But there's also that kind of excitement that re-energizes the dynamic from arguing to connecting again. And as I mentioned in a previous program, there was a recent survey sponsored by Durex which, um, in which 87% of the females and 95% of the men in the study said the best sex is sex that is connected. In other words, that's, that, that is about intimacy. And that is the desire to know the other person. Now, intimacy is very different than than enmeshment or um, closeness. Intimacy, really, in the sense that we're talking about it, is is the desire to close the distance between you and your partner. But it, that requires that you still see your partner as another person. And so, when you're in a fight, you have to you all of a sudden you become distanced from them, and you have to try and understand where they're coming from, and that creates some space. And the desire to jump across that space and connect with what you see in your partner is kind of a wake-up call. It's like a splash of cold water, and you suddenly see the person as a separate person, the person that you um, that is not you, and that, that desire leaps in in that moment to connect with them again in, in terms of sexual passion. So why, what does that mean in terms of uh, the frequency of sex and why that may be a misnomer? Well, if emotionality and intimacy are the issue in the relationship, then sex is a means of identifying or taking the temperature of the relationship, and it's a means by which that can be explored, but it shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be the, the extent to which you and your partner maintain that respectful distance and that otherness 
and the attraction to one another based on some space in the relationship. And this is what Esther uh, prescribes for her clientele and myself as well as a uh, therapist working with couples, is you have to allow for in your relationship the room, the distance, the separateness, the longing that fuels passion and desire. The ability to step back and see your partner as the other, the other that you had to get to know to get involved in the relationship, and to step out of the mundaneness of everyday life that becomes this amorphous unit of a couple uh, with you know children and work, and um, it, it becomes a very sexless marriage. And so, going back to these to these articles, you can see now why focusing on uh, the infrequency of sex in this model couple here, or not a model couple, but the, the, the couple in question, um, can be sort of an erroneous uh, exercise because sex is an activity that is representational of these other dynamics. Well, I think that's a, quite a strong presentation for today of, of this topic. Um, we don't have any callers. Um, so I'm not going to go on too much more about this. It's really sort of an introduction to this topic, and I will be um, speaking more about these issues and uh, hopefully having some calls and input on the chat forum. Uh, you can also drop us a line on the Facebook page, The Mind Whisperer, or through Twitter. And um, you can find those links on our host page here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Mind Whisperer. All the links are there. You can make suggestions for future topics. Uh, really eager to come and do a presentation in your town and host the program from your town and uh, perhaps do a workshop or a seminar or, or a public talk on any of these topics. All the shows are archived uh, on the site and also on iTunes. You can look up the Mind Whisperer on iTunes and download the podcast for free. I hope as you go about your day today, if you are in a couple or you're looking to get into a couple, that this is uh, giving you some illumination into these dynamics and uh, how to keep love alive in your relationship and that when you do uh, engage in lovemaking, there is a sense of adventure and um, freshness to it, uh, that, that there's spark to it and that you don't use sex as uh, a test for the love or intimacy in your relationship, that it becomes a celebration of the difference between you and your partner and the desire to connect again through those differences and through uh, the space to have to sort of work to jump across the gap of desire. My name is Michael Gordon. As always, it's been a pleasure to host the program. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week on The Mind Whisperer.